Welcome to The Space Between. This is a podcast series that looks at the integration of both faith and psychology. Your hosts are Dr. Todd Fry and Melissa Fry, both licensed professional counselors. We hope you enjoy the podcast. This is Dr. Todd Fry and Melissa Fry. We are here today. Uh, I know it's been a while since we've had a podcast, mm-hmm. a long while, and we want to get in some regular rhythms mm-hmm. of this. Um, Melissa and I are both mental health providers, and we happen to be married right? <laughs> as well. <laughs> and um, we know the big thing on everyone's mind these days is COVID yes. and um, the impact that it's had on each individual, a lot of different ways, but especially as it relates to mental health, because that's kind of... Mm-hmm. our field and how we're understanding that. And as this has gone on, we are getting a better understanding mm-hmm. of some of the impacts as we look at some of the statistics that are coming out and the variety of things that are impacting mental health. I think what I'm realizing is that mental health seems to follow um, behind some of the other concerns of pandemics like this. Pen- the initial right. concern is around you know, basic needs, finances, employment, um, adjusting to um, perhaps being at home, having a different work schedule, not working. And there's a lot of uh, being with kids, kids right. being at home, adjusting to those things. And now going back to school or yeah. not going back to school. Right. So we have sort of our daily adjustments related to this, wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, some people not wearing a mask, how mm-hmm. it becomes political. There's just a lot of stressors mm-hmm. around this. And then there are also some mental health stressors that are beginning to emerge. Some of it is because mm-hmm. of all those choices and decisions and changes. And some of it is the weight of the fear. Many people have gone on into this pandemic a little bit more vulnerable because they have a history of anxiety and fear and struggle with change. And others have experienced a lot of, um, a lot of mental health um, impacts on themselves as a result of all this. And I think this idea that it may not be going away soon... Yeah, that's the sense that I get even personally, but as I talk to clients and friends, is that it's, you know, we're in the, what, the sixth month. And so now um, we are not able to just, um, you know, think it's around the corner, it will be back to normal. But now just the prolonged sense of um, kind of this uh, low-grade anxiety lasting this long and this amount of uncertain uncertainty and lack of normal patterns and even lack of connection, particularly around mental health for such a long, sustained amount of time, has almost like taking its toll. Yeah. And so then these mental health, um, yeah, indicators of like, man, we're in distress or we have increased anxiety and depression yeah. um, are really emerging because it's lasted for so long and almost the toll of the isolation and the toll of the unknown is really beginning to, you know, take form. Yeah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of, kind of comes like a tsunami after so many other things happen. And there, there's a real realization of of these mental health impacts, not immediately, but following. You know, the other thing, the other thing I was going to add, Melissa, and I don't know if you've seen this too, is I see some of my clients feel like they've kind of been holding their breath. Mm, like, okay, right. I'm just going to get through this and it's mm-hmm. going to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be able to do what mm-hmm. I've always done before. But now we've held our breath for so long. Yes, I think there's a realization that, wow, maybe we're going to be holding our breath for so long that we're not going to be able to breathe at all. Mm-hmm. They need to take a breath. Many of their basic needs are mm-hmm. going on that right. because they waited to, for things to return. Their relationships may be um, missing out on components because mm-hmm. 
the things that they normally do to nurture the relationship are shut down. Mm-hmm. And the time that they normally spend, they're spending surviving. And so some of these basic core human needs are going uh, are going missed. And I see sort of the need for a lot of them, and including ourselves, is just to, to uh, just to accept the fact that we might need to reinvent ourselves, hmm. right? A little bit during this time, mm-hmm. and to think about ways that we can meet these needs that don't go away in a pandemic mm-hmm. in new and creative ways, right? And uh, I think some some people are fearing doing that because it's. The fear associated with that is that I will then um, have to accept this new reality. I don't want to accept this new mm. reality. It's just like the grief, yeah. the grief cycle that we see. I mean, I hesitate to call it a cycle because it's it's all over. Right. When we're in grief, we bounce back and forth to different movements, and we just see this happening yeah. also in the pandemic. It's just this sense of like I, I don't want to you know I don't want to even really acknowledge this or feel this because I don't want this to be real. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. health, hmm. which is a, which is a big step. Wow. Yeah. So I think that's so important because, uh, for some of us, this has meant we were able to slow down and maybe step back a little bit while we felt isolated. There's maybe been things that's actually some patterns that even have felt better for us. And for half of Americans, this has been literally like just undoing like think of uh, those of you that are listening that are single parents or that walk alongside those that are single parents, and now you've got school starting again, and you're now juggling helping your child either do online schooling or homeschooling, and you're going to work and you're doing this alone, and you can't even uh, draw from the support systems you normally draw from. So you can just see six months into this this pandemic, how, man, this is impacting our sense of well-being and our mental health because we we don't have many of the supports that we've been able to lean on in order to do this well. Right. And right. so I'm not I'm not really surprised by that number, but it really also reminds me how much we're gonna need one another to get through this. And we're gonna have to find creative ways to do that because we can't do it in all the same ways we used right, to be. Right, right. And do not it. everyone's as resourced. Exactly. Either. Going into this, not mm. resourced, I mean, with mm. jobs or with people or with other resources. Right. Even access to mm. uh, medical care. Right. There's just so, so many different resources that are so different for all of us. So good. Mm. Um, the Federal Emotional Distress Hotline registered a thousand percent increase per month from the last year. Thousand. Thousand percent. Mental mm. health agencies are seeing a 60% jump in those seeking therapy. So 60% for those mental health agencies, particularly those public mental health agencies. Um, Seven in 10 employees indicated that the pandemic is the most stressful time of their career. Seven out of 10. Porn use, interesting, by Pornhub. Pornhub is one of the biggest uh, producers of pornography in the world. And they are showing a 20% increase in pornography use since the beginning of the pandemic. Wow. And... You just, when you really are able to see addictions as um, a primary way that humans deal with literally intolerable situations and emotions. So when you also understand pornography as being an addiction, you can see why this, this stat is not surprising, but literally heartbreaking. Like 
rather than being able to go to others, to go to God in prayer, to feel a strong enough attachment to others and to God, um, to help regulate the emotions and the fears and all that's happening in our internal world. When we can't do that, you know, addictions yeah. become a primary a primary way of coping. They can be uh, distractions from emotional states or ways of feeling. Mm-hmm. We're feeling anxious right. or depressed or overwhelmed. Addictions are one way in which we shift out of all those feelings. Yeah, it like so it allows you it allows you the break you need, but then you have to live with the shame and the yeah. harm you've done to yourself and others, and so then that actually perpetuates anxiety and right. depression right. in the long term. And so, it's um, important that we keep our eyes open, not for way even addictions are creep into our own life, but the into the lives of those around us. Are like are we scrolling? Right. Are we scrolling for hours on our Right. Through news feeds, through social media, like what are we doing to numb out? Yeah, yeah. So it's not just limited to pornography. Of course, it's all over mm-hmm. the place. Um, just kind of rituals of habitual mm-hmm. patterns of escapism. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and in addition to that, 55% of alcohol consumption has gone up mm-hmm. by the Nielsen report. Wow, so another lot, addiction. Another addiction, mm-hmm. a lot of alcohol. Um, 30% an increased overall depression and anxiety. Mm. Um, we call those the common cold of mental health. And so we oftentimes see depression and anxiety come first. And in addition to that, there's a 33, 33% increase in anti-anxiety medication by the Ginger Report. So 33% increase there. And then finally, there's this term that we use in mental health called deaths of despair. So these aren't um, deaths by the actual impact of the virus itself. I mean, I guess sort of the impact. But these are more mental health deaths related to suicide mm-hmm. and people ending their lives because of the hopelessness that they feel in the midst of this pandemic for a variety of different reasons. And so deaths of despair, one point increase in unemployment rates typically equals one point of increase in suicide rates. But they're finding that it's up to 6%. With each With each point. percent of unemployment is wow. a 6% increase right. in suicidality. And so, this so is wow, really, the amount of despair yeah. is just like ballooning. Like, will we ever come out of this? Will I ever be able to recover? Will I ever be able to have uh, what I need again? Will I ever be able to have the relationships and the physical resources I need right. to feel good in this right. life even, again? Can I even support my family? Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we tie a lot to our careers into the things that we do, and if those are taken from us, then we can feel useless. We can feel like we're not giving to this world. We're taking more than we're giving. And so those are, are a lot of reasons why suicide yeah. might go up, but that's that's a really important statistics to be aware well, of. Well, that's that a big jump, 1% to 6%, to 6%. increase, you know, with each percentage of yeah. unemployment. And a lot of researchers are wondering if that's just related mostly to isolation. So the amount of interesting. amount isolation that we're experiencing right. is increasing the amount of suicidality, which is... Makes sense as compared to normal unemployment going up without this amount of isolation. What a great reminder that it's it's in isolation that we get disoriented, that we can't see. We can only see a, through a narrow lens, a narrow view of what is real. And I know there's been moments I felt like that. And that's not with not having a job and not having, you know, I have a job, I have food on the table, but just like my scope of understanding reality can get limited in anxiety, like narrows the brain, right? And depression narrows your, your awareness of what's real and what's true. 
And so, wow, that is just, um, yeah, heartbreaking. I mean, but also just such a reality check on how much we have to find ways to connect during a pandemic so that we don't get disoriented. It's in the relationships that we can sustain even really hard things, really hard situations. Yeah, that's good. Well, let's have our audience pause for a minute, those that are listening, and just want to ask, how is your mental health? How has COVID impacted you? So just take a moment to pause and just reflect on that question because you might be so busy and you might have just been able to be just trying to keep up with your own physical needs and family needs that you haven't had a chance to pause and just notice the impact it's had on you. So just pay attention. Notice your emotions as we're talking about this. Notice notice if there's any anxiety in your body. If you're feeling any loss, feeling any sadness, if your relationships have been impacted by this. Maybe you just feel afraid of getting the virus, afraid of death. It could be a lot of different impacts that it has on you, but just notice how it has uniquely impacted you and give yourself permission to be able to acknowledge that and not compare yourself to other people, not shame yourself about the impact it's had on you because every person is different and every person has the right to say, this is hard and this has impacted me. And part of good mental health is accepting the impact that things have on you and giving yourself permission to do that. So let's just, thanks for taking a moment to notice and just pay attention to what's coming up for you. So think about that as we go through some of the, some of the mental health factors that are influencing us. So we're going to kind of run through this list pretty quickly because we really want to spend most of our time on some things that you can do to help yourself during this time, some new uh, ways of caring for yourself and your own mental health. So some obvious ones are isolation and loneliness. That's a huge mental health factor. Unemployment, change in jobs is also impacting that. Some poor self-care during this time. People not taking care of themselves like they used to, not having the same rhythms in their life to be able to take care of themselves. Removed coping skills, things that they used to have that were dependent upon like shopping and other things. I'm not saying they're necessarily good coping skills, but some coping skills that we had in our life prior to the pandemic, maybe we don't have the same finances to do those coping skills. So some removed those. Well, even some of those are healthy ones. Like for a, uh, for a while, we were hesitant to even be outside. Yeah. And what a great way to cope with hard days and our feelings of depression or anxiety, you know, or coping through relationships, like meeting up for coffee and like all of that just came to a halt. And now I feel like in many places around the world, people are beginning to start to integrate those again. But it's even with that, there's this layer of uh, uncertainty of like, is this going to be okay? And is it okay for me to meet for coffee? And are we social distanced enough? But I do yeah, think the, the removal point. of coping skills has really taken a big hit. Even, you know, what if I get up in the morning, normally have my cup of coffee, have my kids head off to school and spend time in prayer. Now I can't do that. My kids are running around the house. <laughs> you know, I can't do it like I could before. So maybe that's some of it. That's good. Increased interpersonal conflict. We have people at home together that weren't together before. We have more opportunities for conflict between (laughs) siblings and parents and kids and spouses. Um, Fear of death or illness. That's that's one that a lot of people live with, particularly those that are vulnerable to this disease, um, to this pandemic. Uncertainty and unpredictability of the future. This is the one I hear. I, I, I honestly think this is the one I hear the most from friends, from clients, is that... I just, I can't plan anything. 
and I'm like planning and having structure and having things to look forward to. And even the pattern of the fall, like that was a, like, that's always a fresh breath of air. It's like a new beginning. It's all shiny and hopeful, new notebooks, sending kids off to school. And we don't, it doesn't feel that way this year. And so even teachers trying to make plans and knowing tomorrow, they're probably going to look different. And the students trying to figure out what online schooling is going to look like and pastors being like, do I have them keep coming to the building and how do we keep people safe? And I'll, I'll send out a mass email and then three days later have to change it and how long this is going to last and is the church going to be able to make it? Are we going to be able to sustain this and will the giving go down? And there's just, I, I, every day I hear people dealing with uncertainty. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. It seems like each day are new things to consider and maybe changes to make. Mm-hmm. I know I'm at the institution teaching there and we're just counting down the days to where we're going to have to go home possibly because we're just waiting to see if this virus spreads through our community and whether we're able to contain it. And if right. we're not, we're going to have to send people home and, and we're wearing masks and then we're not wearing masks. And then we're, you know, there's just all sorts of things that seem to be changing every day. And that's, that's unsettling. We, as humans, our brains loves familiar things. We love for things to stay familiar. And so when things are so unfamiliar, it's good for our internal flexibility, but it's also hard on us because mm-hmm. it, it requires a lot of energy for us. And more than usual. Yes. And and I think that that ties uncertainty and unpredictability ties well into the next one, which is this loss of control. Um, Maybe this is how it's been hard, but maybe also healing for us is that we often live with the illusion that we have more control than we actually do. And then during this pandemic, we've just been faced with how actually limited our actual control is and how dependent we are upon... um, people around us because even the amount of isolation that we've experienced we've realized we don't do well with that and so but we're we're dependent on government we're dependent on the health system we're dependent on schools and it's like and and we don't have little to no control over any of that even when it comes to trying to figure out how to get a vaccine you know it's just we don't we can't we can't plan more than oftentimes a few days out and so we don't have near as yeah. much control yeah, as we used to. Yeah, that's true. Some of us are forced into more simplicity, mm-hmm. which is uncomfortable for us. Mm-hmm. More quiet. More quiet. Or for some of us, it's not or like that. Or more chaotic. Or make chaotic. And I think maybe maybe the mental health factors is for some people, it's almost felt too simple or too quiet. And for others, it's felt too chaotic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's poor physical health, exercise. Mm-hmm. We've heard people joking around saying it's not the... COVID, oh, it's not the freshman 15, it's the COVID-19. <laughs> the COVID-19, which is just another um, mental health factor. We turn to addictions. We turn to eating, to sh- online shopping for a lot of people. They can still do that. You know, we turn to um, hours of Netflix. We turn to anything that will numb us out. And I think there's a healthy amount of needing breaks. So I don't think we're advocating that you don't take breaks even by watching a movie and watching television. It's more when we realize the repetitiveness that's more like an addictive pattern in order to escape rather than an impulse that's keeping us away from actually our healthy need to express what's going on inside of us. Right. 
We've already mentioned increase of addiction, so we'll kind of mm-hmm. skip over and that weight one. Gain. Weight yep, gain. Yeah, goes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of touch. Right. Less oh, touch. this has been big with... Oh, I find it so hard mm-hmm. to be around people I haven't seen in a while and not be able to hug them. I know. And not be able to, you know, I have to keep distance from them. Mm-hmm. Just had a situation the other day where I hadn't seen someone in a long time. I'm like, hi. You know, we walk by our neighbor's house and rather than shaking their hand or putting our arm around them, we're just waving right. from afar and... Checking in on how they're doing. That just feels so wrong. Mm. Our bodies are in such high need of touch. Yes. And, and to feel connected that way. I love that. I've really tried to be really aware of people that I, I'm still getting quite a bit from my family, but others are not. And so um, I think I'm just trying to be extra aware of those that are really lacking um, the touch that we need actually to thrive. We need to we need to be hugged. We need to be cared for in that way in order to thrive. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, switch gears and just talk about the two types of responders that we're seeing out there. Now, two is to oversimplify it, to make it dualistic. But this <laughs> right. is a spectrum, a continuum. You know, people tend to be on one side or the other. In the way they're responding to these mental health factors and right. that it's have been heightened. Kind of, right. When things mm-hmm. come, a pandemic comes, crisis comes, they tend to respond this way. So <laughs> on one side, we have our deniers. Right. <laughs> we want you to pay attention to which side you might fall yeah. under. But we have our deniers. They rely on themselves. They minimize the threat and they avoid their emotions. They tend to. Mm-hmm. So these are the ones that lean more towards this isn't a big deal. There's nothing, you know, nothing catastrophic they about like this. Downplay. They They're downplay. They're always it. downplaying. Kind of annoyed when someone's activated or feeling more anxious because they might tend to flatten out more or right. to separate themselves from how difficult something is because they don't even feel it in, inside of themselves. They're not, they avoid emotion. Right. They're avoiding the emotion and they're avoiding their own emotional experiences and the impact it's having on them. Mm-hmm. So they're keeping those emotional experiences from getting processed in the way that they need to by avoiding them. Mm-hmm. When they're actually having them, they're physically having those experiences, but they're not acknowledging them. And they believe that if they don't acknowledge them, they're not real. And the truth is, is that they are still real. They're still being impacted by them. They're just not acknowledging them. And then on the other side, we have the alarmists. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I, I have never feel this way. <laughs> the alarmists um, on a continuum, um, and just remember, this is a continuum, so you could you could locate like 50 points on this line, and so you might not do this all the time, but we're talking about which way you might lean. The alarmists, they need others to feel okay, um, and they, they, they get really worried about being forgotten so they're am- they're amplified. Their emotions are amplified. So one thing that I've noticed with alarmists is like, oh, I've been isolated. Maybe I'm losing all my friendships. Oh no, like the connections I have aren't going to be sustained. Um, or like, oh, I, am I doing the right? You know, am I doing my part? And so just lots of analyzing, lots of panic, lots of like uh, where the. Uh, rather than being nervous, you might feel like really like almost more panicked. I'm going to get this or this isn't going to go away or things to, aren't going to go back to normal. I need normal. to figure it out. Like mm-hmm. watching news all the time. Uh, oh yeah, Obsessing on news. Googling stuff. Yes. And mm-hmm. trying to find out more information to kind of calm mm-hmm. down. Right. Anxiety associated with what's going mm-hmm. on. Yes. Yeah. So you might be on a continuum on one side mm-hmm. or the other. You're a little more of a alarmist a little bit more of a denier and probably in the middle where we kind of want to land ourselves is a healthy awareness mm. of what's going on and accepting our own experience of that right without being overly alarming or, or also without denying or dismissing it 
Exactly. And I think this, this, uh, sometimes I call the state in the middle, the green state because green is represents growth and health and vitality. And I really like that. It's like, uh, and, and, and even though I lean more towards probably that alarmist, there are times when I get, I burn out on that. And so then I just slip into denying it all. I'm like, I don't even care, become indifferent, you know? And so you can, you can move back and forth just yeah. based on your own energy level. But in my, in my more green state, I'm able to, I'm, I'm like noticing that I just feel kind of sad today. Like this is just kind of worn me out. And I just, I don't, um, I, I think I need some extra connection today to feel grounded because I'm just really feeling, um, I'm feeling lonely. You know, I just haven't had good connection this week. And, um, I know this won't last. Even what I'm feeling is a state that I'm in it and that the state, the emotions I'm feeling will come and go, but I don't want to pretend, you know, I really want to tune into them and honor them. Yeah. And so I'm able to reach out for help, but I don't have to, you know, I don't have to be like, it's no big deal. It's nothing. Um, I don't have to turn to blaming and shaming other people just because I have this low level irritability because I'm not talking about what's going on inside of me. Because if we're not acknowledging what's happening us, then we often, it comes out sideways on others. Yeah, it sure does. Okay. We're going to end our podcast with some tips. <laughs> All right, here we go. These are mental health tips, things <laughs> for you to consider. So we'll start with undo your loneliness. There's nothing probably more important you can do than to undo the isolation that you feel and the isolation that people feel around you. So look for people who are isolated, initiate contact with them, even if you have to do it through a phone call or through Zoom, um, but really try to undo the loneliness. Use curiosity, empathy, and play. Curiosity, empathy, and play are wonderful ways of undoing loneliness. Play now. A lot of my clients are talking about feeling guilty for playing because things are so serious and they believe they don't have the right to play. And I think this is a wonderful time to continue playing. It's really good. The world keeps moving. This is a God-saturated world. Hmm. There's beauty all around us and play is still available to us. (laughs) And we don't need to feel ashamed for playing when other people are hurting or... Um, we want to hold both. We want to hold the pain of the world. We want to be co-sufferers in this world, but we also want to continue to play and be curious with each other and have normal conversations. Um, we can continue to live normal lives in the midst of this. We feel like it's a pandemic-saturated world. It's much more <laughs> of a God-saturated world and His creation all around us. And so I think we want to live in that. And that is a wonderful way of undoing loneliness with people. We want to hold on to familiar routines when possible. It's easy to give up routines during a time like this, but our body and our minds do well with routine as long as they're good routines. You know, waking up at the same time, going to bed at the same time, eating at similar times. These good routines are very good and they're very stabilizing for us. Yeah, this next one um, we have is called, uh, or it's just an encouragement to add a spiritual practice that's really grounding for you. Um, I love Bible study, and that's still a part of my life, and it really is nourishing for me. Um, but I have also added practices that really give me a—they uh, kind of open my sense of what's real and true and of God's presence to me. And we can do a whole podcast on those, but that might be adding the Jesus prayer. It might be some— uh, just saying, I'm just going to read a psalm every morning, and I'm going to allow myself to notice which phrase— um, really kind of resonates with my spirit. So we have to get quiet to do that. We have to get still. We have to become noticers of what's happening inside of us. And in that, 
um, when I do, that's called uh, Lexia Divina. And then I often take that phrase that has resonated with me and make it just my prayer all day long and, is, and allow my, myself to really see Christ seeing me, even in my distress. Not I don't bring just try to bring God my polished self or my... Um, my perfect self. You know, I bring God where I am, which might not be in a green state. It might be more in an alarmist state. And I can bring that to Christ and really practice these um, exercises that help remind me of what is real, what is true, and of who I am in Christ. Yeah, and if you're interested in a guided mindful practice, you can go to the attachmentcounselor.com website and under client resources at the very bottom are four or five guided mindful practices. I know one of them is with my voice. And um, using that practice to do kind of a Christian mindful practice. And so they last about 15 minutes. That's kind of a nice thing to do every day if you can or every other day. And just take 15 minutes, put headphones on and just kind of go through mindfulness practice. I think it's been interesting that we have sometimes treated practices that the church has had for years um, that tend to focus on kind of quieting us and helping us to become attuned to God's spirit and to listening, um, and even to our own emotions. And those have felt like not as productive or more selfish. And what I, what is actually true about these, and I I find this so interesting is that they actually just open us to be more available for love when we practice these types of Christian spiritual exercises. They open us more to our neighbor they're so evangelical that way because when we take time for these, it allows us um, some insight and some some deep connection with God so that we aren't acting out our anxiety onto our friends and our neighbors and our children, but instead we really can embody the non-anxious presence of Christ in all, these, all of these relationships, which is really uh, such... I would say as much as anything, just so healing in this world. Then you want to find positive ways to express feelings. <laughs> we, so looking, we're harping on the feelings, we? Aren't are. We? Identify those feelings. Share those feelings. Mm. It doesn't matter what the feeling is. Common feelings are hurt, sad, mm. angry. Right. Um, afraid. Right. Nervous. Nervous. You know, and so there's... There's degrees of these. You know, you don't have to be terrified to be afraid. You can just be feeling a little nervous. Just say, I'm feeling I'm feeling a little apprehensive about going back to work today. Or I'm feeling a little bit nervous about connecting with this friend. Go, or going back to this, um, going to this group or going back to church. Like, I haven't been around people hardly at all for months. And like, do, do I even remember how to do this? Yeah. I mean, you know, emotions that are processed in the body and not shared with others tend to stay in the body and tend to come out sideways and hurt us in other ways. And so it's really really important um, neurologically and emotionally and with your own mental health to identify your emotions and to share those, not just during a pandemic, but all the time. Yeah, Dan Siegel always says, you name it to tame it. And I would also say you name it to connect, like to connect to yourself, to, to connect to others, and to connect with God. That na- identifying and naming and feeling the emotions is really part of the dance of being human. And that when those are blocked off, it's very difficult for us to feel known and connected to others without sharing our absolutely. emotional absolutely. state. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of it, a lot of you haven't been given permission mm-hmm. in your own families or in your life to feel your emotions. So this will be new for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then the next one is 
Um, minimize watching, reading, or listening to news that causes undue anxiety or distress. <laughs> Amen to that. So limit your news mm-hmm. watching. Mm-hmm. Only um, only refer to reliable sources when looking for news. Mm-hmm. I know we have a lot of people that we work with that don't go to reliable sources, and it just raises their anxiety. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, like the CDC, there are some resources that are more reliable than other sources of news. So go to those. I tell my clients, do not Google <laughs> things. If you Google right. them... Whatever mm-hmm. symptom you have or whatever's going on, mm-hmm. if you Google it, you're going to die from it. Yeah. And so Google is um, Google Maybe is not your for, friend right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. Google is maybe not your friend right now. Mm-hmm. Go to reliable sources. Um, we love Google for many things, but this is not one of them. I, mean, I think we. this is probably good, yeah, for news on the pandemic, but also just news in general right now is really heightened and... Yeah. Um, I think just limiting all forms of news. So not to where you don't feel informed, but you're really thoughtful about where you're getting the news, like what Todd's saying. And you're not, um, it's not coming from this compulsivity of like, I've got to know everything that's happening as it's playing out all day. Because because with a 24-hour news cycle, you can literally get lost in time. that. Yeah. Set mm-hmm. aside times. You know, get up in the morning. Maybe you want to watch 10 minutes of news. Mm-hmm. Maybe you watch 30 minutes at night just to keep up. Mm-hmm. Maybe you read the newspaper. Mm-hmm. But just limit it. It's not something you want to be doing all day. Because where you, where you put your mind is where your anxiety will follow. Mm-hmm. And you'll fill your mind in this sort of chaotic pandemic world if mm-hmm. that's what you focus on. Uh, exercise and eat well. Mm-hmm. Right. And seek out some therapy if you... Um, yeah, if you're really finding me and I, I just can't really get a handle on the distress I'm feeling or my anxiety is off, off the charts, um, or I'm noticing that my sadness is slipping more into despair, then it's probably time to just reach out for some help, for some extra support. And I think for those of you that have never gone to therapy, you might feel a little reluctant, but I just really encourage you to taste and see how helpful. It can be one of the upsides of the pandemic is that most therapists have gone online. And so if you're across the world or if you're in a place that's isolated where you don't have a good, you know, have a lot of good resources for therapists, you can reach out. You can go to attachmentcounselor.com and fill out a new client intake form and we'll find a therapist for you Mm -hmm. Um, because we can do it now across state lines and across countries. Okay, then uh, another thing I thought was really interesting is we need to stimulate our mind and we also need to slow our mind down. We need both accelerators and brakes. We need times where we're reading, where we're growing, we're doing educational retreats, we're, um, we're taking on a new project, a new hobby, something that stimulates our mind. And then we need other times where we're slowing down, where we're in mindful moments. We already talked about that with some of the spiritual exercises and grounding exercises, but the mindfulness is a way to slow your mind down. So times to slow your mind down and times to speed your mind up. And kind of gas accelerator, gas accelerator is really great for the mind and your own mental health during a time like this. Avoid looking for signs of the illness. Um, Some of you might be obsessing and thinking, oh man, I got a sore throat or I have a headache. I must have the virus. Um, You'll really want to wait till you have more than just one symptom, likely. Now we're not talking from, we're not medical doctors. We can't tell you exactly what to do with this. But we are saying that you want to wait for a variety of symptoms and have it last for at least long enough to be able to, to legitimize the possibility because a sore throat or a headache or these are common things that we've experienced, you know, our whole lives at different times and it hasn't meant COVID. And so just, um, you know, just, just being careful not to overanalyze yourself and all your body um, pains and, um, you know, all roads don't lead to COVID. And so um, just kind of put that in perspective. 
And then, of course, uh, sleep is just so essential to your mental health. And so whatever practices you need to do before you go to bed, for those of you that are struggling with sleep right now, um, we would really encourage you to have a kind of a ritual that you go through at night. Like, this is what I'm going to do when I go to sleep. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to put lotion on my hands and my arms. I'm going to... um, talk with my, uh, a good friend or my spouse, or I'm going to, I'm going to sit in bed and I'm going to read and whatever your routine is, it doesn't have to be that exact routine. I'm going to brush my hair. It's just like, you know, it's almost like your body starts to say, Oh, this is what I do before I go to bed. It preps your body to begin to rest. And probably a screen is not going to be able to be part of that routine. Right. Um, because that's not going to what we just talked about the breaks, this is not a time to rev your mind up. It's a time to slow your mind down. So we just encourage you to adopt a pattern or a ritual before you go to bed that helps your body know this is that I'm getting ready to rest. And there's some beautiful prayers, written prayers the church has had that even help us enter uh, peacefully more into, because it's a, there's a surrender to rest that I'm not in control anymore, that I'm not, I don't know what's going to you know, I'm not in charge. I'm just like letting myself. It's go involuntary. Into, yes, that's mm-hmm. the one thing that we can't force ourselves to sleep. Right. We just put ourselves in a position to sleep. That's a great way of putting it. And it just mm-hmm. happens on its own, and so we have to put ourselves in a good position to um, to be able to sleep. Right. And the same thing goes with eating as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, we can choose to eat, but to eat well, we have to put ourselves in a good place to eat yes. well, to choose good food, yep. to not overeat because yep. we're trying to numb ourselves out. So paying good attention to eating good, healthy food and also the exercise. Yeah, we kind of jumped over it. We said it, but we really didn't spend much time on that. And I really feel like exercise and eating well, and doesn't mean you can never have a cookie. We're not talking about that, but we're talking about making healthy choices for what you put in your body and how you move your body. And it doesn't mean you have to run five mm. miles a day right? either. It just means moving right. your body, getting just your heart rate your body. up is yeah. wonderful for mental health. Like it's... even this morning, Todd and I took our two dogs for a walk and I thought, oh, you know, we walked a couple miles. It felt so good. And we weren't even... It's not, we honestly probably didn't even get our heart rate up enough. We usually try to walk fast enough to at least get our heart rate up. But it was like, it's not about a time to be perfectionistic. This is just let me get my body moving. So I'm paying attention about how I'm moving my body and what I'm putting in my body. I'm fueling my body well because that will directly help uh, impact your mental health. All right. Then the final two is don't make any major life decisions <laughs> during a time like this. Mm-hmm. When so much is happening around you, sometimes we have the impulse to make a major life decision right. because we want to get away. We feel like the major life decision will mm-hmm. resolve some of the feelings that we're having, some of the anxieties that we're having. Now, some some of you might be forced into a major life decision, like taking on a new career. But the basic idea is to just not, if you can help it, not make any major life decisions. Mm-hmm. Allow things to go as they are, as much as they can be. You'll be forced into a lot of decisions that are unwilled and unwanted. And so to add more onto your plate, maybe it just overwhelm you. Right. And I do want to add something to this right now. This is not a major life decision. This might feel like a minor life choice, but it can have major ramifications. And I just heard this from Brene Brown, and I thought this was so brilliant. If you tend to be more on the alarmist side of how you respond in a time of distress, and you notice that you're revved up, because alarmists tend to get revved up, and they tend to get more panicky or worked up and... um, 
it's not that the other side of the continuum, you can't feel, I mean, you can't ever be angry or anything, but if you are in a state where you almost can feel your heart's increased or you're like in a, re, what I would call a reactive state, make a choice that I am not going to text, I'm not going to type, and I'm not going to talk <laughs> until I have at least noticed what's going inside of on inside of me. I'm just going to notice this. I'm going to take some deep breaths. I'm maybe going to walk because a lot of what's happening in Facebook, a lot of what is happening in this reactive cultures, um, not just America, but in many countries right now, is that we're, we, we aren't able to be charitable and kind with one another because we are texting, talking, and typing in a reactive, fearful state. So let's, let's just make a kind of a commitment. I'm not going to go at someone when I'm in this state. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to put the brakes on a little before I choose to react. Yeah, anxiety drives impulsive behaviors. Yeah, exactly. We want to resolve the anxiety, oh. so the anxiety just pushes us to say right. and respond Oof. and make decisions. Mm-hmm. And if we look back on it, we, you know, once we're down in more of a calm state, we, yeah. we sometimes question, wish we hadn't made those decisions. Or wish hadn't, we hadn't, hadn't gone typed out and, that. <laughs> and bought that thing, that new car, right. or yes. because the anxiety drove us. And it's really a way mm-hmm. of kind of providing us comfort again right? Um, to do that. And then finally, we'll kind of end with this, is don't be a part of a world that um, that mirrors that of the corona world. Mm. You know, you can do other things. I think we talked about this before, but you can live in a world that is corona Saturated. Small, <laughs> yeah. That is corona small. Mm. Um, allow it to impact you appropriately in a healthy way, in the way that it is playing itself out in this world. Of course, don't disconnect yourself from it entirely. And don't minimize it. Don't minimize it, but also be a part of a world that does not include it. Every conversation that you have or most conversations you have don't have to be about it. Everything that you watch doesn't have to be about it. You know, the places that you go don't have to circle around the corona. You might need you might need to have a mask on. Or maybe you want to go to places where you don't have to have a mask on, where things just feel normal. I think it's good to enter into experiences that don't mirror this world that we're in that keep reminding you over and over again that things have changed and things are hard. And so if it's going for a walk where you used to walk your dog down this path, do it again. Do those things that remind you of the world that's pre-pandemic. Or if you want to sit around the table and play a board game with your kids, do that. And maybe there's some new things that you're discovering in all of this that are good things to do. But Maybe it is the board game that you've not done before and you've decided since we're together, we're going to put a puzzle together. Those are good new things and they're not all related to the pandemic. They might be the reason you took it on, but it's not, it's not time where you're focused on it. Focus on it at a healthy level and then also spend times away from it. Spend times back in that play and doing things that don't mirror the world that's, that's covered with all of this pandemic fear. I love how you put it earlier. Like, this is a Christ-soaked world, to use Richard Rohr's words. This is not just a pandemic-soaked reality, and that's all we have. We have a bigger reality. That God's, God's kingdom is still here and coming. That God is still at work. There's still beauty in His creation everywhere. And that we want to stay awake to that, right. not only awake to the pandemic. Yes, that's excellent. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. I know there's so much more that we could talk about. I hope this was um, helpful. I hope it was helpful. Yeah. And 
we want to be responsible with what we share with you, but we hope that by just focusing on this podcast a little bit on the pandemic, giving you some tips, maybe related to a few things we said that were symptoms Hmm. and experiences that you've had, and then also some of these tips around self-care will be helpful for you. Um, Of course, you've got to tailor it to your life and to your situation. We know that not everyone who listens to this is in the United States, and so we want to make it applicable to all of you. Um, We welcome your feedback. And if you um, would like to visit the attachmentcounselor.com website, there's information there on Melissa and myself and resources for you. Um, You can email us from the website. It has our email addresses there. And uh, we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to do that and maybe give us some suggestions for future podcasts that we can do. So thank you all. We pray that God's blessing is upon you. Mm, Peace to you. And just know that our hearts are with you and that it's really just such a joy to even talk with you in this kind of way. And um, we carry you with you even as we go about our day today.